0: Hey, Heritage, thanks for joining us for Worship Online today. Actually, one of the the things we look forward to most is gathering in this way virtually to worship the King of Kings together, to come before Him with all that we are, all of our our joys, our our struggles, our hurts, and lay them before the feet of Jesus together as a church body. Now, I love that we're continuing our series today called Level Up. Uh, This past week, as we talked about really kind of the foundations of our faith and how God might be wanting to increase in us in this season. Now, no matter where you find yourself at today, I want you to be encouraged that, that no matter where you are in your walk, no matter what rock might feel like it's in your way, that we have a God who does the impossible, a God who still does miracles today. I want you to be encouraged by this verse today. It's in Romans 8, starting at verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a powerful reminder of God's love for us, and a reminder that God can do the impossible, that God wants to fight on your behalf. So let's worship together as we declare that truth, that there's nothing that our God can do. Let's worship together.
1: Around. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Yes, just one touch, my eyes are open see. My heart can't help but believe No hay imposibles para Dios No hay montaña que no moverá Gloria que camina abrió No imposibles para Dios Just one word You hear what's broken inside Just one word, in you revive every dream. Oh, just one touch, and I feel the power of it. Oh, just one touch, my eyes are open to see my heart. No hay poder comer poder de Cristo Tengamos fe, creamos que No hay poder comer poder de Cristo I will believe for greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus Let faith arise, let all agree, there's no I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all the creed. There's no power like his power. There's nothing that I can't see. There's not a mountain that he can move. We'll praise him. Lord, our God is ever faithful, ever changing. you the work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope, who could imagine
2: Friends, I I continue to be so thankful for all the ways that Jesus is faithful to us. I am grateful that He is, in fact, our living hope, and it's because Jesus is alive that He is our hope. And it's just an amazing thing. Believing upon His name ushers us into abundant life, and then we are infused with resurrection power. And, And this is not something that we have to wait for, but it's offered to us immediately. We are resurrection people. May this truth bring each of you great hope today. As we move into a prayer moment, I'd like to do something maybe a little bit different than what we're used to, and I I wanna just invite us to reflect upon and pray through the Apostles' Creed. Now, for those of you who might be new to the Christian faith, you might even be kind of wondering, what in the world is this thing called the Apostles' Creed? That, That is a fair question. So allow me just to give a brief explanation. In the early days of the Christian faith, one of the ways that was used to organize beliefs and doctrine and theology was the development of statements of faith called the creeds. And these creeds were created really with the intention that they could be memorized and and even easily stated in the midst of community. Creeds were one of the earliest teaching tools of the Christian faith, and the Apostles' Creed is one of the earliest creeds that we have record of. It's beautifully organized around the three persons of the Trinity, and it helps us to revisit some of the basic beliefs of the Christian faith. And just as a quick note that we're gonna use the word Catholic in just a moment. Uh, This creed, uh, you know, kind of uses that word, and it's just, it's a simple word, It it means universal. And it indicates our belief that Jesus has set up the church to carry his message and story around the entire world. Friends, the Apostles' Creed is a beautiful declaration of faith. And so today, I want to invite us to prayerfully proclaim the Apostles' Creed together. The words are going to be on the screen, and and I would just encourage you to to go ahead and state those words out loud, or, or if you're in kind of a place where it would not be comfortable to do that, I just invite you to simply reflect upon the words in your heart. Please read with me and pray this with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell.
3: Well, good morning, family. It's so good to be with you as we step into this second week of Level Up. But before we go any further, I want us to just take a moment to ask God to do what only he can do in this moment and in this space. So would you just pray with me for for just a moment? Father, Son, Spirit, we're gathered in this space and time not by accident, but we believe on purpose for a purpose. I pray that your Spirit would move with freedom and authority that you would bring strength and courage, that you would allow us to receive the gift of your word, that we would be found faithful with it, and that we would be changed by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were to uh, drive down the long dirt road to the little kind of ranch that I grew up on in southeastern Arizona, you might be surprised at what you would find along the way. You would see that the area now is is grown up quite a bit. There are a lot of like McMansions and things like that where there used to only be open cow field. Uh, And as you got closer and closer to the little kind of ranch where my grandpa still lives, you might be surprised to find that there are like a lot of trees, practically groves of them. There are pine trees and cypress trees, trees that bear fruits and nuts. Desert willows, ash trees, aspen trees. I mean, there's like trees and a lot of them. And the amazing thing to me about all of those trees that you would see if you drove down there right now is that they are they're like maturing and healthy, and they they look out of place. They look like a, a refreshing green oasis in the middle of the desert. And what is what is, might be more surprising to you is that when my grandparents first moved to that little plot of acreage in the desert southwest in southeastern Arizona, none of those trees were there, not a one. Every single one of them was like planted and called to life and cultivated. They were were planted all as tiny little saplings that then had to be protected. And then we went through this whole rhythm of trying to not just keep these trees alive, but get them to be flourishing in examples of what they are today. Some of them had to be like painted with a reflective coating, believe it or not, to keep them from getting too sunburnt. And some of them had to be trimmed regularly. One of my jobs that I absolutely hated was to was to take old tires, which we would put around the trees, the saplings to keep them safe uh, from like vehicles and animals and stuff and move them so we could repuncture the water holes in the irrigation system and in the desert whenever you move a tire there's stuff that like crawls out of it and I, I mean I hated it but this is this is what we did it was a regular rhythm of care and cultivation and moving until now you see if you were to drive up there down there this really great kind of oasis of a space Now, we've been in level up. This is the second week. Last week, we talked about how God wants to call us to a new level in connecting with God and others and our purpose, and that we begin there by receiving and offering the rescue of Jesus. That kind of basic level starting point is receiving the rescue of Jesus and then offering that to others. If you want to catch up, you can do that at heritageqc.com. And now in this conversation, I've got to be honest with you, there is an outcome I desire for you. My prayer and my desperate, you know, kind of pursuit of Jesus on your behalf in this message is that you would long for a next level of connection with him. That you would actually experience a deeper connection with God and others and your purpose. But I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. My hope in this conversation is that it simply sparks a space of movement in you. Not that you move to a whole new level, but that you begin the process of experiencing these next levels with him. Now, that's going to make more sense here in a minute. Because I believe that each of us desires to have such a deep connection with God and others in our purpose that it seems to others around us that we're like a desert oasis in a dry and thirsty land, that just by interacting with us, there's a space of cool refreshment that says, man, that person, man, they have a real connection with God. They really care about others. They seem to be living on purpose for a purpose like almost nobody else I know. And so we're going to dig into Scripture today to look at how do we cultivate these next level spaces, okay? We're going to look at how do we step into spaces and places that allow us to experience these next levels of connection that we long for. We're going to begin in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. The writer of this book is actually speaking to a group of early Christ followers who are in a space and place that is defined by darkness. They are in a difficult circumstance. And they're asking, "How in the world when everything is hard, how in the world when everything is defined as darkness, can I experience a greater connection with God in the life that I'm made for. So it's in this context that the writer says these things in Ephesians chapter five, verses eight and following. He says, for you, church, were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Pause. This ought to sound, if you were here last week, vaguely familiar, okay? That we are children of the light. We used to be darkness, but because of Jesus, now we're in the light. And then he continues, for the fruit of light of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What we see in this passage right here is a little bit of what we've already been talking about. That next level connection with God, others, and our purpose is cultivated Next level connection with God, others, and our purpose is cultivated, like those trees I talked about a little bit ago, where there's a regular consistent rhythm, where we're minding the small things that become a big deal. In this passage, the writer first says, hey, you don't belong anymore to the old way of living and thinking. You are not people of darkness, but you're children of light. And for you and me, what that ought to kind of pop up in our minds is a reality that we no longer share in an identity of the things that are broken and moving further away from God, but we've been given a new identity if we are followers of Jesus as children of the light, and that it's out of this identity that we can root into our connections with God and others and purpose to bear a great deal of of fruit. In fact, the writer says that, right? He says, hey, you're not people of darkness, you're people of light. Oh, and by the way, you know you're living as a person of light if you're bearing the fruit of light. And he lists those out, the fruit of righteousness and truth and goodness. And those fruit, I believe, are actually indicators of great next-level connection with God. We would call that righteousness, right? With others, there's a truth aspect there, and with our purpose, that's goodness or doing good works. And then he says, hey, find out what pleases the Lord. Now, some of us, we can hear that invitation or command as though it's something heavy-handed and impossible. You'd better find out what pleases God or you're going to be in a mess of hurt. But that's not the tone or the intent here. Unfortunately, that's how some of us have have heard it or even interacted with the truths of of God's word or even how the church maybe at times has has treated us or us has treated others as part of the church. It's like, you must check the right boxes or God's gonna be really, really mad at you. That's not what the writer here is saying. He is saying, we can know what it looks like to please God. We can actually live confidently knowing we're connecting so deeply with God and others in our purpose that we can be on this journey of exploration and discovery and find out what pleases God and then move to the next thing that makes God's heart happy and then move to the next thing that pleases God. And all the while, as we're doing that, guess what's happening? We're connecting more profoundly with God and with others and with our purpose. It's a space of of genuine invitation for us. All of this as we live into a new identity. The writer here also says that we are to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness, but instead to expose them. Now I want to harken back to part of the conversation we had last week about what it looks like to be people of light who offer rescue, who go into the deep darkness. Again, if you miss that conversation, catch up. You'll be glad that you did. Now, here's, here's the thing. You and I, some of us, have lived our whole lives concerned about, you know, whether or not we are doing the right thing in the right way. And again, that if we don't do that, then God's going to be upset at us. But what we see in this passage and what we see in the next part of the scripture that we're going to look at together is that out of God's great love for us, he invites us into a new way of thinking and living. And out of this new identity that we find in Jesus, we no longer have to be doing the things of darkness that move us further and further and further and further away from the deep connection with God, others, and our purpose that we were meant for but that you and I can actually participate in the goodness of who he is and root deeper and deeper into what he has for us. That we are not to participate in the deeds of darkness, but to expose them. And friends, I I want you to know, in our world today, there are some spaces of deeds of darkness where some of us, rather than exposing them, have been participating, and I believe the Lord wants us to move into a space of light, there are a couple that come to mind it's not an exhaustive list but right now here in real time the the reality is that pornography is one of the greatest drivers of human and sex trafficking in the world it drives trafficking of persons like nothing else human bondage and slavery And so if you're in a space of addiction to the stuff of pornography, you're not just participating in that deed of darkness, but you're actually fueling an industry that traffics in people, that steals innocence, that crushes people under the weight of darkness. And so I want you to know there is hope that Jesus actually invites us to be people of light. But here's the thing, friends, have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness, Rather, expose them. Confess. This is is the space of struggle. This is the rhythm in my life that actually rather than having nothing to do with the deeds of darkness, I've been rooting into them. And see what God does as he offers you freedom in a new way. In our community right now, it has been so disheartening to see people get so angry and and bitter and full of rage, which if you read in the Scriptures what that's fruit of, it's not fruit of the Spirit, but to be angry and bitter and rageful about the reality that there may be and will be refugees coming to this part of the world, to our cities, Church, have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness, of anger and bitterness and rage. Instead, be people of light who see this as an opportunity to see Jesus in the refugee, to be part of what it looks like, to be somebody of peace and love and compassion and mercy. This is is what it looks like for us to say we have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness but we'll expose them. We will call out supremacy at every opportunity. We will call out what it fear in every moment. We will call out hatred when it bears its dark head and be people of light who say we will welcome the stranger because we are the people of Jesus. This is, is part of the invitation for us. When we talked last week about what does it look like to let justice roll like a river, these are two spaces that we have opportunity right now. You see, next level connection with God and others and our purpose, it's cultivated. We can do that in ways big and small. It's in reading the scriptures, in participating with them regularly, but then doing something with what we've read. Not just sitting in the word, but then doing something with it. If you're trying to find a way to engage in the practice of scripture reading and don't know where to start, we have, we have good Bibles in our next steps areas. Pick one up and read the story of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Just start there. Download the Bible app and, and begin a Bible reading program and see what happens as you begin to cultivate this connection. Cultivating this connection looks like connecting with God in prayer. It doesn't mean that we have to have a super spiritual language. It's simply a conversation where we say, God, here's the stuff going on in my world. You already know it. How are you going to lead me in it? Cultivating this connection looks like regularly giving ourselves away, empowered by the Spirit of God within us cultivating relationship looks like giving of our financial resources, not not out of duty, but out of a sense of trust and faithfulness and saying, God, you've provided for me and I want to be reminded of your great goodness and provision and, and I want to be faithful in that. These are the spaces of protecting, of cultivating, of calling to life. And we find as we do that, I believe, we want less and less to do with the deeds of darkness and more and more to be the people who are exposing them. It's strange to say that those four simple practices, reading scripture, praying, giving ourselves away, giving, that they can be the things that move us to exposing the things of darkness. But it's true. It happens. This is, it's, it's an overtime thing, but it's only part of what we're invited into. It's only part of of what we're talking about because you see next level connection with God and others in our purpose is cultivated, not transplanted. It's cultivated, not transplanted. Some of us, out of a desire to have deeper connection with God, others, and purpose, we've tried to transplant the faith of others into our world. We've, we've taken what somebody else has cultivated over time and tried to pick it up and plop it right into our rhythm of life and then wonder why we're so frustrated when we try to pick up their cultivated discipline and pop it into our life and wonder why, man, God doesn't seem to speak to me in the same way that he speaks to them. The same opportunities don't come for me that seem to come for them. We transplant someone else's connection with God or with others and their purpose, and we, and we just try to copy it. That's transplanting it into our lives. It's basically, you know, to use another way of talking about it, we try to microwave our deep connection, in a, and it doesn't work. This is the thing, this is something that that has to be done in faithfulness and over time. We can't take someone else's journey and make it our own. We can't take someone else's cultivated life and drop it into our own and see it work. What happens actually is we develop frustration and can actually feel more disconnected than connected with these things. And that little tiny dirt farm of a ranch that I grew up on, there were only a handful of times that I can remember us feeling like we were flush with cash, and we were going to go buy a maturing tree to replace one maybe that had been taken out in a storm or in a fire or something like that. Really, what had happened is we had allowed somebody else to do all of the cultivating work to get this tree to this point. And then we tried to drop it in to, to our ecosystem, if you will, and not a single one of them. If you were to drive down there today, I don't, I don't recall a single one of those pre-cultivated trees actually being alive today. There is something about the, the soil and the clay and the environment that we were in, they it, it just couldn't take. The only way to get the things to grow where I grew up was if you, if you started small. And just did the regular rhythm of work. Some of us have been transplanting and been trying to transplant our connection with God and others and purpose. You see, we transplant when we consume without community. I'm gonna say that again. We transplant when we consume without community. When we, when we engage in books and podcasts and sermons and all those things that are not bad on their own. In fact, they're very, very good. But when we, when we become simply a consumer and then refuse to connect in life and relationship with others. When we, we kind of pick and choose the things that we're gonna interact with. Instead of saying, I'm gonna be part of a community of people who are processing some of this together, who are receiving it together. If if you are unable to have an ongoing, meaningful connection with Jesus outside of a formal Bible study or outside of a corporate worship gathering, it's a pretty good indicator that you've transplanted and not cultivated. It's a symptom. We transplant when we're passive, when we ask, you know, somebody else to do the hard work in our heart, to, to just kind of figure life out for us. We'll just... We'll just watch it happen and hope something good is there. You know, a, a symptom that we're transplanting is when we say things like, "I don't know about that church. I, I just don't seem to be getting fed." It's like my kids saying, "Man, I don't know, I don't know about our dinner table. I just don't seem to be getting fed." what they mean. Is dad, you're cooking too many Brussels sprouts, right? We are we as we mature and connect and grow, as we connect more deeply with God and others in our purpose, we become self-feeding people. Yes, we join in corporate moments like this, but if our if our constant refrain is, I need somebody else to do the work of feeding me, then maybe, maybe we've transplanted and maybe in this moment, Holy Spirit is saying to you, my friend, I love you, I want so much more for you than you could ever imagine. So let's take this one layer deeper. Because next level connection with God, others, and our purpose is cultivated as we remain in Christ. The idea of cultivating this relationship with him isn't found for the first time in the book of Ephesians. It's throughout the scriptures. But there's a passage where Jesus himself, in preparing his disciples for what he wants to do in and through them, his first followers, says these words. And I want to read them to you. These are the words of Jesus to his first followers and to us. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the words of Jesus. He's telling us, I want you to thrive. I desire you to have such deep connection with god and others in your purpose that you bear much fruit there's there's a very real sense of god's activity on our behalf in this passage we can ask anything ask anything we want and the lord will work it because we're so connected to him we know his desires and we ask out of that that the way people know we're followers of jesus is by the fruit that we bear He says, you'll bear much fruit, and that's how they'll know. That's how you'll be seen as my disciples. Showing you are my disciples. But he continues. John 15, verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. How do we do that? How do we remain in his love? He says, if you keep my commands... You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love if you keep my commands. Jesus' invitation, his call in this, is one for you and for me to know and live in the love and the affection of God. The word that he uses there for love doesn't just mean love. It means God's deep affection. I want you to just pause for a moment and sit in what it means, what it would mean if it were true that God has deep, earth-moving affection for you. That he loves you that he desires more than you know even how to ask for. God has affection toward you and for me. He loves us. You want you want to root into and remain in that connection of love and affection then follow the commands of Jesus. That's what he says. You want to remain in the rooted space of affection and love? Then follow, then do my commands. Now again, friends, some of us have spent our whole lives in pursuit of, of Jesus or in, in interacting in the world around us, and we have presumed that the commands of God are a bunch of the things that we should not do. And so we live our lives trying not to do the wrong things. But if you were to look at the commands of Jesus, you might be surprised to find that yes, there are spaces where he says, hey, don't do that, right? Don't judge. Don't go and keep on sinning. He does say, hey, don't, stop. There are moments like that. But more often, the commands of Jesus are not to stop doing something bad, but to start or continue doing something great. That's his command, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love God with all of who we are, to be about his goodness and his truth and his righteousness. As we become more Christ-like, we want more and more the good stuff of who he is. We want more and more to experience what we ought to be about. Some of us, we work so hard to not do the wrong things And we haven't experienced the joy and freedom, the invitation that comes with chasing the good stuff of God together. So how will you cultivate next level connection? That's the kind of reflective question today. What's the next step of of keeping the commands of Jesus that we just talked about? Earlier in service, Pastor Josh mentioned baptism. Baptism you know that baptism is the very first thing that Jesus commands his followers to do? It's like, turn away and be baptized. Turn from the way that you were living and be baptized. So if you want to experience next level connection with God, others, and your purpose, you've said yes to Jesus, and you've not been baptized yet, I know what your next step is. And I'm not trying to be dumb about it, right? Your next step, because Jesus said so, is be baptized take that step, be baptized, okay? Like, sign up today, do that. That's your next step. Josh also mentioned explore relationship and that in that space, we're going to spend about five weeks connecting to know and tell the story of God, to understand our own story and how God is at work in them, to know how to engage with Scripture and how to pray. Do you know what each of those elements sounds like to me? Sounds like Cultivating cultivating the rhythm of connecting deeper with God and others and our purpose. So I really do, encourage you, connect in that opportunity. But I believe, I believe God has a next for you. So again, I'm going to ask the question, how are you going to cultivate next level connection? How are you going to take the next step into what is good and right, how are you going to step into the place of God's goodness and his righteousness and his truth? You see, I believe as we've been speaking today that the Holy Spirit has been highlighting moments and opportunities for you. Spaces where he's bringing to mind people or circumstances or opportunities. They came as fleeting thoughts that you didn't place in your own mind, as a space where you went, I wonder if. And so I'm going to give us just some space. We're going to pause here, and rather than concluding in prayer, we're just going to conclude in reflective space where I'm believing Holy Spirit of the risen Jesus is speaking to you about your next step cultivating in Him? How will you cultivate your next level of connection? So in just an attitude and posture of hearing from Him, God, give us ears that hear and hearts that respond.
1: Your creation suddenly articulate, with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified. If I'm This is my testimony Oh, I'm alive This is my testimony From death to life His grace rewrote my story I testify Of Jesus Christ the right.
4: We are so glad that God gives each one of us a testimony, a story about how our lives have moved from death to life. So glad that you have been worshiping with us here today as we have learned about the basics of how to continue to dig deeper into our own spiritual journeys and faith. If you're a local in the Quad City area and are watching this program, we have a great opportunity for you to connect deeper with the life of Heritage Church. We have a class starting next week called explore relationship and this class helps you understand the story of god how he works and how he intersects with the world our own stories how to share our own testimonies of how god is working in us and through us to share that story with others around us how to read the bible how to pray as well as a couple other great experiences this is a great opportunity to get to know more people that are connected here at Heritage Church as we sit around tables, we converse together, we learn together, and share together. And so if you're interested in connecting in at that class, you can go to heritageqc.com groups, and you can click on Explore Relationship for more information or to sign up for your opportunity to connect in that class. While you're at heritageqc.com, you can also send us a connect card if you wanna let us know about any prayer requests or any other information that you're looking to find throughout the ministries of heritage. You can also give at heritageqc.com, and that's a great opportunity for you to continue to support ministries like this one that you are watching and connecting with, as well as a myriad of other places that we serve both locally and globally. Again, we're so thankful for your investment in allowing ministries like this to happen and to continue. And we hope to see you back again at the same time next week.